Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. We cannot start this episode. We can absolutely not start this episode without thanking the following people who went to our Patreon.com and support the show. So thank you. Bill Dixon. Jonathan Renteria Elie. Jack Connolly. Alice Kazanis. Derek Haynes. Melanie Harker. Dr. Jason Woods. Allison Keen. Battle Mat Fitness. Westbourne East Bread. John Richard Helter II. Dave Trumbor III. Damn it, again. And the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, listeners out there, if you want to get on this list of super cool people, we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U to see how you can support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Burbank, California on the Warner Brothers studio lot, I'll be your host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, bud? <laughs> uh, David, 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 I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I want to do good ideas, bad ideas with you all night whenever we get a chance. And yeah, I let's just do it. sprung this on you now, so it's probably going to be real awkward. But that's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite segments from the show we're about to talk about tonight. Oh, man. Uh, I feel like in addition to talking about this show, yeah. there's also another reason to kind of celebrate. I mean, is there really? Yeah, what there we is. What going on? <laughs> We've Did I forget our anniversary again? Uh, well, this isn't really like an anniversary anniversary. This is just a mile. Like, we've hit a, we've hit a milestone episode. Have we now? Yeah. We've been doing this you know, for how we, many years? Oh, did we start this in 2014? It was pre-Trump presidency, so yeah, let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that's your measure for everything. That's my that's measure for weird. everything and anything from now on. God, yeah. Back in we the had, old days. We started this show over three years ago. Mm. We are now at episode two. Hundo. That's crazy. Two hundred. Ah, are we syndicated yet? <laughs> Basically. What? Where's our residuals? <laughs> like that's that's how syndication works, right? We just do this long enough. Syndicated, and we have yet to see a royalty <laughs> check. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure how this works. I thought when we got to two hundred that this was sort of like the moment where, you know, we we broke on through to the other side, yeah. and and suddenly. Fames, riches, mm. podcast stuff oh, all came down podcast, at this point. Monies. Accolades. Gummy medallions. <laughs> Every possible thing that you could imagine. Uh, but yeah, we, this is our 200th episode. And the coolest part about this is not only do you and I get to celebrate 200th episode together uh, with a really cool show that is actually coming back, which is kind of rare, uh, even, even in this like reboot-heavy era of TV that we're living in. It's not, it's not just cool that we get to celebrate together. We get to celebrate it with people who have been listening to the show for a while, who love the particular show we're talking about tonight, and who wanted to be part of this special episode. So, Sean, why don't you tell us what we have in store for our listeners out there on the 200th episode of SMC. Oh, man. Guys, we are, of course, talking about Animaniacs. And so if you are not familiar with Animaniacs, Let's get into it, because this is an American animated comedy television series created by Tom Ruger. Animaniacs first aired on Fox Kids 
from 1993 to 1995, and new episodes later appeared on the WB from 95 to 98 as a part of the Kids WB Afternoon Programming Block. The series had a total of 99 episodes and one film, Wacko's Wish. A reboot, as Dave had mentioned, for the series has been announced by Hulu and was announced earlier this year in January 2018 with two seasons to be produced in conjunction with Amblem Entertainment and Warner Brothers Animation. It's expected to start airing in 2020. I'm super excited for that, but something you just said just triggered a memory of mine. When you said the WB and Kids WB, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you you hear those words? I hear Kids WB? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't. I don't even know. I mean, I, there's tons and tons of cartoons that were a part of that block. What if I said the WB? Oh, Michigan J Frog. Michigan J Frog. And for kids there who don't go. know what the hell we're talking about, look up just Kids WB Frog or something like that, and it'll pop up. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what we're talking about when we say the WB, this was like pre CW, and I forget what it was <laughs> before that. But like that channel has morphed a number of times. Also, look up UPN for fun. Why not? Oh, that was a fun one. I, I think that UPN. was the one that like UPN and uh, WB like merged and became the proto CW. Oh, wow. I think they merged a bunch of stuff. None of this is important and, to what we're talking about tonight at all. But look how far the CW has come. Yeah. Yeah. Look at it. Wow. You said there was a lot of disdain. Just look buddy. at it. I was missing the days of like Buffy and Angel. Oh, fair enough. But now we have CW superhero shows. So it's all good. And it has nothing to do with Animaniacs. Oh, my God. Animaniacs, holy crap. If you're not familiar with this, and if this is your your first time ever hearing about Animaniacs, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. If this if this podcast is your first <laughs> exposure to Animaniacs, then A, we love you, and B, please just turn us off now and go watch a couple of episodes. But if you want to know what it's about, I mean, we'll try to sum it up here, but because it's a variety show, features a lot of like short skits, comedic skits, a big cast of characters, and a bunch of musical uh, interstitials, it's kind of hard to sum up exactly what it's about without getting too much into the plot. Uh, The show itself had no set format, but most of the episodes were composed of mini-episodes within each other, and then each of them starred a different set of characters. Some of them would be recurring, so you'd have like different... You had lead characters, who we'll talk about in in a few minutes here. You also had supporting groups of characters who did cross over with the others, but most of the time they were doing their own skits. So if you watch any kind of variety show, whether it's animated or not, you probably have a good idea of the sort of setup for Animaniacs. Uh, Hallmarks and standouts of the series include its music, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, The character catchphrases, which you can still uh, hear here in probably not classrooms, but in internet forums still today, and humor meant for adult audiences, which got them into some trouble over the years. Uh, But it's definitely much appreciated now, and we'll be talking (laughs) about that. Hey, but let's talk about the music, though, first. Uh, you want to get into this theme song? Let's do this theme All song. Right. What was interesting to me was watching uh, the episodes that we watched tonight, and we decided to watch both the premiere and the finale, so the first and the 99th episode. What was interesting to me is I don't remember this intro being a part of the regular episodes. Maybe for the first oh. one made sense to introduce you to what exactly was going on before you even got to the theme song, but... I don't remember this intro that well. Okay. What about you? So I, I guess, are you talking about the fact that uh, there's this intro and then there's the actual theme song? Yeah, so it's itself. like a black and white intro with the narration right. and backstory and that kind of leads you into the theme song. Right, and, and this is what's so crazy is that watching, watching these episodes, and I, I know that we've, you know, in, in terms of time, 
I wish that we could have watched all 99 episodes, cool. which is why which is why we've reached out to you, the listener, to ask you for your input. And we hope that you guys will continue to tell us about the your favorite moments from Animaniacs and contribute because, uh, trust me, over 99 episodes, the number of just like quick comedic bits that are thrown and smashed into this show, it's unreal that they managed to to get so much content into this program it's it's ridiculous and so i mean i know that dave and i will probably talk about tonight very specific things that we've identified with and they you may have never even seen that in those 99 episodes because of just how fast paced this is but dave is of course talking about the fact that they set up everything with this sort of black and white newsreel where they explain the fact that you know, they were working on cartoons back in the Warner Brothers lot and Warner Brothers Studios had been tasked with coming up with this new animation. And, you know, this led to the creation of Yakko, Wacko and Dot, mm-hmm. the, the Warner Brothers and Warner Sister. And so they, they go through this process uh, of realizing that, oh, no, they've, they've run amok. They're doing all these terrible things in the studio and causing chaos. And so uh, they have since been locked away in the, the, the Warner Brothers water tower. Right that's on the studio lot. And so, and, and it concludes with the idea of where they remained until they escaped. And so that sort of leads you into the actual theme song. But it, it's a great way to kind of give you all the information that you need to, because I mean, these are non-traditional characters. Right. They're brand they new crea- creations, right? Right. I mean, they were created specifically for Animaniacs. They really don't exist anywhere else, but they kind of, you know, Harken back to some of these old, you know, Looney Tunes style characters, even some of the characters that we would have seen like in Disney, yeah. sort of like the black and white characters with like a hint of color sometimes yeah. that you would have seen. So there's a lot of like nods to older cartoons. And so to, to see these characters, you might be like, well, why do, why do I care? Like, why, why, why do I want to invest time? Why, hell, why is Warner Brothers putting 99 episodes <laughs> five seasons worth of material into a show why are they arranging orchestras to get together to put together like full-length orchestral music for certain episodes and do all of this if they don't really give a shit about it and so it it does it it serves as a great primer and a lead-in because i I think i actually remember watching animaniacs on the first yeah the premiere day yeah the premiere yep and 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 this this was one of those things that you were just like as a kid you know what, I probably didn't need all this information. I probably would have just digested it and been totally fine with it. But the fact that they were just like, you know what, you might be a parent watching this with your kid. Or you might be a kid later on down the road, I don't know, when you're 37, (laughs) hosting a podcast with a buddy. On your 200th podcast episode. (laughs) And you might be like, hey, I don't know, we want to talk about this a little more. I wish I had some context. Because, I don't know, 999 episodes that we've done to this show i've bitched nothing about i have bitched non-stop about hey for this cartoon it'd be great if i had some fucking context <laughs> what i love about this though is before we even get to the theme song i've never seen anything like this in all the episodes that we've covered right it's kind of like a little story intro those usually kind of get folded into a theme song but they're mostly sure. mostly just like exposition and and narration and it's it's just kind of like, eh, okay, you've just dumped a bunch of info on me. I don't really care, but I know at least the story that I'm getting into. This is, is more layered than that. It explains why we, you know, this is retconned. 
because like right. we mentioned, they're, they're new creations. But it's a false story to explain why, in quotes, we haven't seen these characters for 60, 70 years because they've yeah. been locked away in a tower because they were too insane. So it already sets up that kind of like <laughs> zany reality where it's like, okay, these cartoon characters exist and they exist on the lot and they interact with people. And these characters were so insane, more insane than any other characters they created that they had to be like sequestered away somewhere for <laughs> 60, 70 years. Now it raises a whole bunch of like moral and ethical questions oh, that yeah, you should yeah, probably yeah. be asking yourself. But the fact that they're like cartoon, they're cartoon characters, but they're also chaotic. They don't really, uh, they're, not, they're not hemmed in by any uh, specific rules or anything like that. Like it, it was a brilliant way to introduce these characters and say, oh no, they've been around for a while, but they were too crazy to let loose. And now they've escaped and we can't contain them again. Well, that, that's a brilliant way to introduce new characters, especially with the transition from black and white into a little bit of color with just the splashes of red, uh, I think, on their noses. And then to transition into full color for the theme song itself. I thought it was a brilliant right. opening. I honestly thought it was only for that premiere, though. I didn't think they used it in multiple other episodes. Because why do it, that every single episode? It, it, it's weird because... To give you all this context and do it almost episode after episode. Yeah, now, it I watched a lot of time. I watched a bunch of episodes. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's funny because there are some that I feel like they didn't do it. Yeah, and, and it I, and I 100% just, believe that in broadcast, they cut that for, for time for commercials too. Right. Yeah. And I, I have to think that, you know, I, either it was something like as I was kind of binging on a bunch of episodes, which all are available right now on Hulu. Yeah, because that's where it's coming in 2020, man. Yeah. Right, including Wacko's Wish. Nice. So you can watch all 100 episodes, 99 in a movie. Sure. Just for, like Community. For, just, uh, boy. Um, <laughs> if Dan Harmon is producing this in 2020, I'm going to be equally parts excited and frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, tepid. Season, listen, you heard it here first. Season four <laughs> of Rick and Morty will be s- season six of Animaniacs. Oh, God damn Tweet it. it. I have to wait it. that fucking long? Mm-hmm. Tweet and repeat. That's dumb. So turns uh, out Rick created the end the Warner Brothers and Sister back in 1935. <laughs> Heard it here first. No, but at a McDonald's with, with some special yeah, sauce. There you go. There we go. So you know, with 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 having this over and over again, I, I wonder sometimes if it was actually the streaming service that I was watching it on, being Hulu, that was doing like that smart jump where they kind of time dash you like mm. a minute to like a minute and a half into an episode. To, to kind of move you through the intro quicker to the actual episode itself. Right. But then when I watched episode 99, it still had yep. that entire black and white intro. I was, I was wondering like, if they just bookended the series with that or just because episode 99 was very much just a celebration of everything that came before it. It was a look yeah. back. It was a catch up. It was a montage. It was original, but also... Uh, Honoring everything that came before it at the same time. Was it original, though? Uh, Some of it was, I got some some beef with it. Uh, We'll talk about it. About half of it was and half of it wasn't. But I I liked it, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But hey, how about that actual theme song? (laughs) So the actual theme song itself, I I think, you know, we've gone through recently an entire month of of grading and and really being meticulous about these theme songs. I think the challenge that I have with this is that this fits every qualification of what I want for a good theme song. Absolutely. So if you've been listening you, to us for 200 episodes now, you know exactly what we're talking about. So what are some of right. the things that you look for, like to check boxes on a theme of song? Of course. Yeah. So some of the major things that I look for is dedicated animation mm-hmm. 
uh, versus uh, like animation that's been recycled from episodes. So in this, we get a mix. You know, a majority of it, I want to say, is actual dedicated animation yeah. that they have for it. I think every once in a while, there's like a couple things that are in there for possibly supporting characters that they have. Uh, so you, you get this nice mix and blend of everything that's happening within their universe. And so you can really tell that they spent a lot of time and dedication with this. Uh, and and I, I'm going to dog ear this for a second. Okay. You know that they spent a lot of time and dedication for this because they have a bit gag at the end of every theme song right. that's super fun that they talk about. Right. So, But before we get to that, the music for this, unbelievable. I, I can't overstate enough how well music is utilized in a comedic, uh, as well as also entertainment and educational yeah, surprisingly. purpose. For a show that did not need to be educational at all. <laughs> it didn't, it, this, show, uh, this show, I feel like somebody was like, you know what, guys? Let's see if we could do this. I felt like it was a writer room challenge to somebody else. I think it was more like let's let's get that education stamp money because if you're like twenty percent <laughs> educational, you get like twenty grand an episode or something. I don't yeah, know. something like yeah. that. So, but I mean, like you know, they they really they really did a great job with being able to to add music as really sort of like a like a fourth character. Uh, if you know, if we're if we're focusing on Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, yeah. I, I feel like. It's as music in this is so much a supporting character that it's it's beautiful to hear. Lyrics for this, the lyrics in this are as Dave has mentioned, chaotic. But so and much fun, like so, throughout the entire series. It, it, it's nothing but fun, and yeah. the the entire time, I there are moments that are in this theme song where I had to go back and I had to look up and make sure I was just like, am I positive that this is what they were saying? <laughs> but then there were other moments that were in there where I immediately began singing along with it. Oh, like yeah. I haven't I haven't watched this show in years. Yeah. And just to be able to pick up and snap back into it is a testament to just I, how I sang along with zany. the two geographical songs. I didn't get it 100% uh, right for sure, but right. the fact that I was just like that's still in my brain and I can still kind of remember that. So yeah. that that speaks to the educational aspect of it too. And 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 these things are just educational or slapstick yeah. regardless. These are just such earworms that the moment you hear them, you immediately recognize and know what it is. What's one of the to... What's one of the other categories that we always look for in a theme song but rarely get? Ooh, man, introductions. I love a roll call. Roll I call, love 100%. Love to have a roll call. What, this is like we the get... best roll call in the history of the world. <laughs> and, and as Dave has mentioned, this is a variety show. Yeah. And so, you know, there are the supporting cast that we will talk about tonight then inevitably somebody's going to tweet at us and just be like, well, you didn't talk about this one character. Yeah, no, yeah, we're not going to get to all 45 characters. Sorry. There's, there's so but many by characters. But at the same time, if you have favorites, let us know because we'll probably miss some of them because I'm not just going to read a, a wiki page and be like, remember? Right. But we love them just as much. Maybe. Like There were some that they popped up and I had to look them up because the name itself didn't jog my memory. But as soon as I saw that image, I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember this like chicken boo. Like, I, I didn't remember a six-foot-tall chicken in a business suit walking around. People oh, treated it as human, but I was just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, okay, 100%. I, I, I watched a Chicken Boo episode yeah. tonight, and then I had to explain Chicken Boo to Dark my fiancé, friend of the show, Melanie Harker. Yeah. And it was, she really gave me a look that was complete disapproval, but also how do you remember this? And I, I honestly, it just because it was one of those gags yeah. that just stayed with me for so long because it was, it was so bizarre, but we, we get that wide cast of characters mm -hmm. 
included as a roll call in this theme song and, and, and included just, in such a way that it's not just like yeah like you're probably gonna say before it jumped on you like it, it's yeah. not just like here's a list of everybody it's like they work them in in the pairings that they're gonna show up in yep. in the context of how they're gonna show up and within the the rhyme scheme of the lyrics as well too it's really well done yeah none of this is is shoehorned in yeah. any way all of this feels like it's natural it's organic it's super fun and then to close and pick up my dog ear at the very end, they get to the very end and they always have kind of like how within the Simpsons, Bart is always potentially writing something new and different on the chalkboard like inside gag. of Springfield. Right. And so these couch gags. And so every single time they have something that they have that's at the very end and it's super fun because they do a cutaway, yeah. you know, and you could tell that this is something that they were just like, oh, oof. we got this idea, guys. Let's animate this. Let's put this in there. It's going to be fun, right? Yeah, it's going to be. It'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. And even if you not, know? we're only doing it once, so it's fine. And it's always rhymes with like a like a Y. It's usually any something any. And so it's it's always it's like totally insane-y. Uh, pinky and the brainy, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, they do a really good job of kind of utilizing some of the cast of characters that they have and bringing them into that kind of couch gag at the end. Uh, but also then there's like, there's really weird ones that they have. What, just, like, do you remember some almost... of them? Because I thought there was one that like, I thought there was one episode and I, I could be, maybe I was on drugs. Who knows? Maybe I had a fever when I was like 12. But um, I could have sworn there was one where they just like cycled over and over and they kept, they kept doing the gags. Oh, really? Like it was totally insane Pinky and the brainy, something else rainy. And it just like kept going and they did like six of them, but I could be wrong. Maybe that was like a mix or something that I watched, but. Well, I mean, even for the first one, they you know they do a here's the show's namey. There was one that I watched when I watched episode three where Dot just goes come back, Shaney. From like the from like the western, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> from Shane. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The 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 rain and Spainy, Cockamamie, uh, How Urbaney, Citizen Caney, Andromeda Strainy. Uh, that had to be a fun writers' room session, just like. Just spitting those out. Just some poor intern making a list of all of them. The one that I always remember, which for some reason is so dumb, but has always stuck with me ever since watching this, is Chicken Chow Maney. Chicken Chow Maney is funny. <laughs> I, I don't know why. There was a, they have, there's Penny Laney, No Pain, No Gainy. They have one where Yakko just goes, uh, yeah. and that's it. They have a ton of fun stuff for that. And I love it because it, it changes it up. Like every time, it gives you a reason to watch the theme song too. Because you right. can sing along to the theme song and it's fine. But you get to that point, you're like, ah, what are they going to say? And most of the time, it was just like one of the standard ones. But every once in a while, they throw a new one in there. Like the one that they have where they're just like, Fraser Craney, shout out to Fraser Crane. Dr. Fraser Crane. Of course, as all kids love <laughs> Fraser Crane at this time. I watched so much, I watched so much Fraser during this time, too. It was dumb. I should not have been watching all of these cartoons at once. Good old Fraser. Oh, man. Fraser and anime. But yeah. I, mean, I can't. This, yeah, this... I can't say enough good things about it. It's like it should be playing in your head as we're talking, and you should also pause us and go listen to it if you really need to. I, I, I will say. I, I will say this uh, for episode one hundred. Yeah. You mean well, like ninety nine new... and one hundred? Okay. We talked about for Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, okay. We talked about the cartoons. Uh, Batman the animated series. Correct. And I think that Batman the animated series, in terms of 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 tone. And in terms of uh, score, really sets the mood. In terms of action, really does an, an amazing job of just preparing you for what you're about to watch. Obviously, uh, uh, watching this, I, I, I love 
and I have a ton of these checkboxes that I look for in a theme song. The Animaniacs theme song is as close to perfect as I think I've ever gotten yeah. in terms of being able to actually check off all of these things. And I'll say for a comedic cartoon. Sure. And I, I say that to distinguish that from Batman TAS yeah. because obviously that's a little bit more of an action-oriented, serious From cartoon. Skeleton Warriors, you know, things that are obviously <laughs> top of the charts. Yeah, right. Is there, honestly, though, for this song, is there anything in the intro, is there anything about it that keeps it from being perfect uh no i mean this 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 to me is 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 a perfect theme song for me yeah yeah it was it was really the reason i wanted to pick this for episode 200 is that to be able to go back and revisit all the music especially the theme song in this show as well as also this hulu reboot that they're gonna do i mean i man we gotta flash forward two years real quick look it's crazy though right because we've talked about some musical variety shows on this podcast before and none of them have been good <laughs> they're so bad <laughs> Awful. They're so bad it's like it's God, hard enough suck. to write a cartoon it's hard enough to animate a cartoon it's hard enough to write good comedy it's hard enough to write good musical interludes and good songs it's nearly impossible to do all of those things together and do well at all of the above but animaniacs is like the one thing that does it, it, it really is like our generation's looney tunes it's like the as i was watching it again today i was just like this is just Looney Tunes, man. Like, this is just modern Looney Tunes. And it's yeah, fantastic. This... It, it takes, like, 50 years in between each version of it. But the fact that, like, this is our Looney Tunes and they absolutely knocked it out of the park. Uh, you, you can still go back and watch any episode today and it'll be just as fun. The references, yeah. they're either dated because the Warner Brothers themselves <laughs> somehow kept up with pop culture in the silo <laughs> for 50 years. But it doesn't matter because they were old references when we were in the 90s. So there's still going to be old references today. It doesn't change the humor at all. And there's not that many sort of like meta commentaries on contemporary stuff with the exception of like Bill Clinton plays the sax, which I always love that in the intro. It's such a, it's such a great, I I love, I love the fact that like right out of the gate, you get that we're animaniacs. Dot is cute and yakko yaks. Wacko packs away the snacks, which trust me when I was watching this, I was probably eating an entire sleeve of Chips Ahoy cookies. Oh, 100%. Or and Pringles I was like, oh, yeah. Or yeah. 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 It's like, shout out to Bobby Anthem on the Pringles. Yeah. Can't wait so, to you sponsor know, us. <laughs> you know, but then it just goes for snacks. It just goes while Bill Clinton plays the sax. Like, there's so much crazy crap that's in here. It is but what's so great about that part, so though, too, is as soon as they say that, they also animate him playing the sax. And then a cool little sax riff comes in and joins them for the next part of the, the song. It's like there's so it's many so different good. like creative minds that were just like, what if we just add this little tweak or just like change this little joke here or there to just heighten it? Such a good comedic team. Fantastic voice cast that probably was, you know, part of that, <laughs> that effort as well. Uh, yeah. Really can't say enough. And that's just talking about the theme song. You want to get into the actual animation itself? Yeah, let's talk about it. I don't even know really what to say about this because it's it's such um it, it it's its own thing because all of these characters with the exception of some cameos that pop up here and there like Porky Pig or whatever. They're all drawn in that Warner Brothers style, but they're all right. brand new fresh creations. So just like some of the musical interludes and in other cartoons that we've watched haven't worked. There are some times where you try to create a, a variety, a huge cast of characters, and some of those designs just, brother, they just do not work. Yeah. But these, these guys, I don't know how they made an entire new cavalcade of like Warner Brothers style cartoons that weren't direct ripoffs from 
ones that came before and didn't look out of place. Like everything looked like it had been there for decades. Some of them looked a little worn. You know, you looked at Slappy Squirrel versus her nephew and you get a little more, she's got a little <laughs> edge to her. She's got a little crinkled to her. She's got a little stoop in her walk. Every character has their own kind of, uh, their, own, their own style, their own personality to it. And there were so many different ones, which we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes here. So many different ones, but they all work together and they could all fit in that same universe. I absolutely yeah. love the design of these. Do you want to talk about the design of the, the main three real quick? Because they're interesting. Sure. They're weird looking characters. They look like, kind of like ink blots. You know? <laughs> yeah, they really do. Yeah. They look like, uh, like Rorschach tests kind of with, with pants. pants yeah. Or a hat or a dress. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take one step back okay. first before addressing Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Uh, and just say that this is in that period of time in the early 90s when Steven Spielberg was producing right. a whole bunch of cartoons. And so this is actually the second Steven Spielberg-produced cartoon with Tiny Toon Adventures being the first, which if you watched anything about Tiny Toon Adventures, I mean, it's it's all of your favorite Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah. It's their... Obvi- maybe their children. I don't. Know I think it was, was supposed to be actually... their. I think it was supposed to be their was, children. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be their or, kids. Or second generation or whatever. But I mean, they're derivative by design. They're supposed to exactly. look like those characters and embody those characters. And and again, this is one of those. This is a cartoon that has an unbelievably large cast. Yeah. Is variety show based and plays a lot with music and a bunch of interstitials. Yeah. And so a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they have for the design actually really comes forward. Like if you think about Buster Bunny, um, you know he he has a red shirt and he's a blue rabbit. The blue that's in his actual rabbit is the same color as Wacko's shirt, and the red is the same color as Wacko's hat. Sure. Like even Babs Bunny, like the pink that she has is the same color as like Dots. So like you can begin to see where they made some of these artistic jumps. You know, some of the artistic inspiration that had, because then, and I, I mentioned this just because we, we've talked about some of these before, and we will talk about some again tonight. You know, we went from Tiny Toons to Animaniacs to Pinky and the Brain to Freakazoid, which we've talked about on the show, right. to then Toonsylvania. Which and we so haven't gotten into. We haven't gotten yeah. into yet. And so we have all of these things across you know, a majority of the 90s that Steven Spielberg was working on. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you can tell, I guess, maybe just how much love he had for old Warner Brothers cartoons. Probably also just that sweet, sweet WB Cash mm. they were printing, those WB Cash bucks, <laughs> you know, that they were just, just, they were just mining away. On it. Yep. Right. And so, but, you know, for, for whatever the reason, you can definitely see that whoever was actually working on it at the end of the day, that there was a lot of love and attention and detail that was put into these characters. And so when you look at Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, Yakko kind of, I don't know, he's almost wearing like what looks like hobo vagrant pants. Yeah, he's just wearing pants with kind of like a belt, just like brown pants. Yeah. That's it. They're too big. Yep. The belt's too big mm-hmm. as well. No nothing fits him. No yeah, shoes. No shirt. No service. No, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but he also has those very, very classic um, like Warner Brothers like style, like they've hands. got big gloves, yeah. which are actually like they always remain. They always, I know that they're like they are in Disney and Warner Brothers cartoons. For some reason, I always think of them as being like a Disney, like I think having it's just their of origins in Disney. Yeah, it's right. just because of Mickey. And it's, but I mean, it's like, everybody has them because no animator wants to draw hands over and over and yeah. over and over again. Just like draw big clunky gloves that are just like you know four quick bugs, swoops. Bugs head, 
Bugs had gloves like that as well. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody everybody had those because it was so much easier for them to just draw rounded fingers than just be like, what does a bunny hand yeah. look and like? Also a lot less <laughs> terrifying than just like, a, like, I know you said bugs as in bunny, but I'm thinking bugs as in like crickets and grasshoppers and stuff. Rather than oh. having like, they still had gloves too <laughs> half the time because rather than having like a pincher or a claw come at your kid, just be like, man, just put a glove on it. It's fine. Just, I mean, Jiminy Cricket had fucking gloves yeah, on. Yeah, that, all these damn crickets had gloves. That doesn't little, make any sense. Yeah. Evolution took a turn. damn insect jumping around, causing problems. How else are you going to play a fiddle? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come on, guys. Just next time you hear a cricket, go out and catch them. Look for the gloves. Uh, you know, we have, we have Wacko, who just has a backward baseball cap. Uh, he's got kind of like a big oversized sweatshirt. Which covers Again, up his cartoon genitals, which is nice. If, <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> you know, and just uh and and Dot is obviously Topless. the cute one and she is oh boy. Uh she just has really simple flower as well as also pink pink dress. And so uh I, I love the idea that, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time really working and focusing on the accessories that are in these characters. Yeah. I think a lot of the the personality and, and and to me, the the memories that I have about the animation are related specifically to the actual voices, oh, as yeah. well as just also the slapstick nature of what they were doing. These characters are so fluid, and they're moving around so much, and it's so chaotic that like minimal design here is what you want. So it's just like not really any shading because everything's just black because they're like black color skin, and then the white gloves and whatever. But it's just like very minimal design because <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts going on here. And, and like to Dave's point about the chaotic nature for this, like there are moments like where they will take off their head. There are moments where they will bounce on their butts sure. all over the place. Turn into plants, they will, whatever. They they will like dismember one another. <laughs> yeah. There will be moments where I, I remember there was one where like Dot cranks Wacko's tail yeah. and it turns into like a, a like like, like a one of those accordion box things. Exactly. That she like runs up then his like part of his spine. Like there's there's so much crazy stuff in terms of what they do with their bodies in this, which oh that sounds you know, yeah. in retrospect, that's a weird thing to say. Nope. We Keep just went going. they just went after dark. Tell me more about their bodies. Oh my god. Uh it, it's it's crazy to see for something of this Warner Brother nature that they're able to be so flexible with this design and have it be so minimalistic. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Dave's just winking at me and raising his eyebrows the whole fucking time. It, it, it's great to see that they had so much fun in the chaos of the simplicity of these characters. Yeah, they weren't stuck in like this is a this is a human body or this is something that is restricted to like physical space or physical laws. They're cartoons. They're they're chaos creatures, so they can do anything. And like Sean was saying, I'm giving him a hard time, but like. They manipulated them in all kinds of different ways, and they could they could turn them tell into all kinds were, of different tell things. Tell me about how they were manipulated, they were Dave. Digitally manipulated. Oh boy, I'm gross. Gross myself out. Yeah. So Shit. they had a lot of fun with it, is what I'm trying to say. And you know, all for comedic effect, and it was great. I mean, it's just yeah. it's one of the. There were no limits. Like imagination was just running wild in this show. And the funniest thing is that like that's the Warners. They're chaotic. There are other characters who are kind of restricted more. So like we'll talk about Pinky and the Brain a little bit. Brain is very much like a, a mouse of science and he's very practical. And when he gets injured by like Pinky, like dropping a hammer on him or whatever, like he still gets injured in like a cartoonish kind of way. But because that doesn't like fit with his practical plan, he gets very upset about it. So it's like the, <laughs> the farthest you could go from the Warners at all because he's like, he's very upset. Right. Or you'll have the fall guys like the guards 
different dogs that run around and try to eat various characters. Like everybody gets the brunt of wacky Looney Tunes style violence in this show, but it works and it works better than a lot of the other shows. We've, we've watched a lot of slapsticky shows that are just painful to watch. Yikes. Shows with music, painful. Shows with slapstick that doesn't work, super painful. Animaniacs, <laughs> somehow, I don't know what, you know, what combination or what potion they had, but it just works pretty much every time. Anything else for animation style? There's nothing else that's really jumping out at me. They did get in some trouble for being a little too sexy here or there. Ooh. If you guys remember Minerva Mink, uh, she's a little sexed up for the kids out there. So I think some of the censors. Well, well, yeah, we're, 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 we're jumping into characters right now, Dave. Why don't you, you, why don't you right tee this off character? with uh, yeah, Minerva Mink? I honestly don't remember too much about her except that aspect of it. But what was interesting was she was always kind of palled around with this character by the name of uh, Wilford Wolf, who was super nerdy. Think like Steve Urkel, but if he was a wolf. <laughs> and then what was funny about that is he was obviously like smitten with her. She was drawn very sexily, very like evocative and, and suggestive. It's like our super thick squirrel we had earlier. Oh, thick Disney squirrel. Month. Thanks, Squirrel. But Wilford had an interesting aspect of his character where, I guess once a month or whatever, he was actually a werewolf. So when he turned, <laughs> he didn't turn into a human. He turned into like this, this like roided out Chippendales looking super hot wolf dude. So when that happened and Minerva finds out about it, she's smitten and like goes completely bonkers. One of the funniest things about this show is that, the, yes, they, it's a little sexist because they do portray some of the female characters... Is very like curvaceous and very kind of like Jessica Rabbit or, or Betty Boop or whatever. Very uh, accented and stylized female characters. And then they have the male characters do the kind of like thumping heartbeat and like bug-eyed like wolf howls and wolf whistles uh, and all that and kind not of stuff. even not even howls yeah. they, at one point so, they, have they the, turn into they like have, a steam whistle or whatever. Well, no, they have Yakko and Wacko actually turn into like a dog or sure. a wolf looking creature. Yeah. Or they turn As into a steam whistle where they're just banging on bongos and making a bunch of noise. <laughs> like for kids, Boy. it's just like very funny. As an adult, you're kind of like, ah, okay. Mm. But what's at least, uh, I'll give this to their credit. They at least did extend that to the other side of the gender divide. When like a quote unquote hot male character would come on screen, sometimes Dot would have that same effect. There was like a male nurse on a couple of occasions or, or a different male character who would come in. And the hello nurse that we usually get from Wacko and Yakko, Dot got a chance to do that too. <laughs> so I thought that was super fun. Uh, Minerva is another one of those characters who kind of reacts the same way. It's just kind of like head over heels, completely bonkers and goofy. So it wasn't quite even, but at least they split that uh, sexist humor up a little bit. So it's better than most cartoons. <laughs> Looking at it, you, Ace really... McCloud. Oh, man. It, it, it's, it's really weird because uh, you know there was one episode where... Uh, uh, I, I forgot how much fun and how just sort of smart this fucking show can be sometimes. Yeah. But they have this moment where uh, they are interacting with Albert Einstein, right. and uh, and and Dot definitely has like her own gender specific hello nurse moment with him, where she's kind of like turned on with him. But then when she goes back and looks at other characters like Doctor Scratch and Sniff as her brothers, and as she's watching her brothers have these like moments or these thought bubbles where they are thinking about horseback riding with hello nurse or driving or, a convertible or driving them. in a, yeah. yeah, exactly. She has this moment where she's in a boat with Dr. Scratch and sniff and that is her thought bubble. Yeah. And she just shrugs it off and goes, Oh no, 
<laughs> like, but then it's interesting so, because later in the series, she, or maybe even in the episode, I can't remember now, but she's just like, I never knew your eyes were so blue to Dr. Otto. Yeah. So who knows what Dot's about? Maybe she's coming around, Dr. Otto. There, there is so much stuff that's just crammed into almost every episode that unless you are constantly binging and watching this on repeat, like you inevitably are going to miss certain aspects of this show. It is so jam-packed. And I mean, it's even just jam-packed with characters. So we've already talked about Yakko, Wacko, and Dot quite a bit, but is there anything that you want to say specifically about any one of them before we move on to maybe some of the side characters? Nothing other than the fact that Yakko is voiced by uh, Robert Paulson. Mm -hmm. We have Wacko, uh, who is Jess uh, Harnell, and we have Dot, who is Tress McNeil. Just unbelievable voice cast that we have. And they voice other characters as well as well as also, guess what? We've got a lot of notable voice cast that's in here, especially Billy West and fucking Frank Welker. Isn't everything? Frank Welker is almost every single character in this show. He's, he's like most every of the supporting characters character. that have like it's, a weird, like if there's a dog that you need to bark at some point, like that would be Frank Welker. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah, it's it, it's insane. Uh, I mean, we we have so many characters that are on here, so we have. Additional major supporting characters. Well, let me ask uh, real quick. Wacko, Yakko, and Dot. So everybody gets kind of like their own okay. song, right? They all get to sing kind of together, but I think each of them gets their own individual song too. Because Yakko has got his, um, his countries of the world. Right. Wacko has his United States and their capitals. Right. I can't remember if Dot got anything though. I'm trying to remember if Dot, because I think Yakko also had one about the universe. He... Mm, did he know? Because there's not that much you can really say, unless it was just like the, the solar system. Just planets. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's five seconds that he's done. Yeah, had, I he think did. he had a second. He did, a, he, did, he did have a planet song. He had a planet song. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm struggling to remember if Dot actually ever had that opportunity to, to do some type of song. And I know that she's, she has sung in other songs, right. but I'm wondering about like a dedicated educational song that she would have sung during the show. I don't know. If you guys can think of one, let us know or do the Googles and we will find out as well. But yeah, I can't remember. But um, aside from the three main characters, now they didn't feature into all 20, 25 minutes of every single episode because these, again, it was a variety show. So these were broken up into other segments. Who are the first characters that come to mind when you think about one of these other segments that popped up in the course of Animaniacs? Oh man, I mean it's definitely Pinky in the Brain. Sure. You know, and they got their is, own series, right? It was their own spinoff series after that, right? They yeah. had they they was they were like the third uh, before Freakazoid, yeah. I think, because I think every, I feel like for all of these, there's been some blending in terms of what they've had. I know that in Animaniacs, they had a crossover where at one point Tiny Toons was involved, okay. and so there 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 have been so many crossovers. It wouldn't blow my mind if. For some reason, you saw Yakko, Wacko, and Dot in the back of a Freakazoid episode. Oh, sure. Just, yeah, that would again, actually fit in perfectly with that show. Think about how, like, think about how absolutely chaotic Freakazoid was <laughs> right. in relation to this show, and and they just they all move and blend together so perfectly yeah. for this this world. Um, but yeah, so Pinky and the, the Brain f- come to mind. Pinky the Brain, I want to say the the Good Feathers. Yeah, buddy, those are my, some of my favorites. The the good feathers and then and then it's it's chicken boo it's really fucking, chicken boo it's f- fucking chicken boo really yeah and I I can explain some more about that um I I just chicken boo was such a, a, a such a dumb sight gag <laughs> that every time they did it but you know what 
like I've, I've come to realize now as an adult and having performed and written and, and have done live comedy that it did such a great job of just setting up one dumb pattern of behavior and then you could insert anything in there and, and, and they were always, they were always dumb, but they hit that rule of comedy three, you know, where inevitably, inevitably what would happen. And I, I watched, yeah, tell, tell me about chicken boo. Cause I can't remember. And all I think I, I can remember is it was a chicken in a suit. No, that wasn't even it, it. It's he's, he's, he's an actual chicken. Yeah. yeah and he's yeah. wearing human clothes. Yeah. Chicken in a suit. Oh, okay. I, I, sorry. I thought for some reason you were just like, it's chicken and he's wearing a chicken suit. Oh no, no, no it's no, like, no, <laughs> no, I'm a, not inception chickening this thing uh but I, you know i i'll never i will never forget one the theme and intro music that he has especially just that final line where it just goes you're not a man you're a chicken boo and i what the fuck is a chicken boo i, do remember I still that. i still don't get it but it still resonates in my brain to this day and so the one episode that i watched tonight uh was davy omelet okay who davy omelet is uh like you know the davy crockett version of chicken boo where he's sort of in that uh that that frontiers time garb right and there's a there's a conestoga wagon and somebody's like oh is that is that davy omelet somebody's like i heard he i heard he wrestled the bear like i heard he did this like second a major amazing feat of behavior and strength and then a third person comes out and just says I heard he was just a man. I heard he was just a big chicken. Oh, and right. People were like what? And then they'd fight over it. Right. Inevitably, something would happen where it would be revealed that he was a chicken, and he'd scurry off, clucking and bucking the entire time. Yeah. And it would just close out. You know, uh, you wear a disguise to look like human guys, but you're not a man. You're a chicken, boo. I loved it. I loved every <laughs> moment. Because it was really like a, like a two yeah. to two and a half super minute, short. super short, in and out, same pattern behavior, rule of comedy three every time. And, and you knew. You knew the second that it came on. You're like, I know exactly how this is going to happen, but it's still dumb and I'm going to giggle about it. I think that kind of paved the way towards uh, what would come in the next 10 years or so. The short, like hyper short format where we've moved into like, first it was like 12, 15 minute segments of a 30 minute cartoon and then it was like five or six minute segments of a 15 minute episode and then you could get both of those and it would count as a double yeah. episode or whatever like that was one of those like proto variety sketch things but just for animation is one of the earlier ones to do that and i think they did a really good job at it because for the variety shows kids didn't have to maintain uh concentration for all 20 minutes <laughs> you just had to last long enough between commercials and you can move on to the next thing so for something right. like chicken boo yeah you just sat there for 90 seconds and you got your bit and you moved on to the next thing for me i i liked you know i like i love good feathers growing up a stone's throw from you know northern jersey from newark and from new york yep. city i mean it was <laughs> it was great that was fantastic but i also loved uh good idea bad idea absolutely love those things because i always was just kind of like sitting there and just waiting for the joke to land because that's such a good setup that you know you know that punchline is coming and you know that mr skullhead's about to get wrecked you just oh, you don't know about how Mi it's gonna happen you talk about mr cory skullhead cory skullhead he he always reminded me of and i don't know if you watched this but it was an snl interstitial sketch that they had that was in the 80s but mr bill oh yeah 100 percent yeah, Mr. Bill was, was one like, of the like he, early like claymation uh, things yeah. too. Yeah, early. I feel like oh, sometimes Mr. he was. Bill. 
he was really uh he was really chuckamation because they were just they just, they were just throwing the crazy yeah. I, I loved loved mr bill yeah, mr bill is great go look that one up too as well um yeah. some of the other ones we had though that don't look there, there's some that don't jump out as much to me uh flavio and marita were two like spanish hippos they they feature in some of the episodes that we saw but i don't remember any like side stories for them um Apparently, there was a kid named Colin who, who would always talk about his friend Randy Beeman. And he always had these yeah. like, stories about Randy Beeman. It was like one of those things where it was, uh, it was always a one solid still shot right. of like a house. And, and Colin would come out. Stand, and he, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and he'd just be like, my friend Randy Beeman. And then you get sort of like One this, time, my friend Randy Beeman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or you'd be like holding like an ice cream cone and it would account. Like fall off and he would just like run away or whatever. You get this third-hand account of his friend and like what had happened i i remember every once in a while uh katie kaboom that's one i didn't remember either i'm like reading yeah the yeah description now, but it was like know. a it was like a teenage girl and like her parents would activate or, or say something that would would piss her off and so she'd you know she'd just kind of go through this moment where she'd she'd explode and it was a literal explosion like her parents would clear the room and hit the deck kind of thing <laughs> i think i remember katie kaboom because there was there was a crossover where I think that she was dating Chicken Boo. Yeah, I just read and he that was in like Chicken Boo crossover. Okay. Yep. He was wearing like a Letterman's jacket yep. and he was like somebody in a football team. And so they were really excited about that. And so it, it, it was, uh, I don't know, maybe it was something that talked about uh, because she was a teenage girl. Maybe it was sort of an allusion to, to, to puberty and kind of coming of age, sure. you know, or, 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 you know, tempers that they had during that time. You know, I think it was also nice because I feel like for a lot of female characters that we had in this show, they are kind of drawn in that curvaceous manner and sexualized. I think that they did a good job of adding in a lot of additional female characters that did not fall into that category. Gotcha. That actually, you know, whether they were small bit characters like Katie Kaboom, uh, you know, or, or even Slappy Squirrel. Um, Slappy and you know, they, Slappy and her nephew, I think, or grandson, maybe they at least yeah, had, skip. yeah, they at least had kind of like a regular supporting role. Like they they would right. show up in their own kind of like stories, at least, yeah. You know, every once in a while, I, I'll say the one, the one set of characters that when I watched it, I was kind of like, ah, and it, I'm pained by this because I know who the voice actor and actress are, Frank Welker and Nancy Cartwright yeah. for Buttons and Mindy. I was never a big fan. And, I was never a big fan myself. No. I, I just, I really, I went back and I watched a couple episodes of it. And, it, you know, it, it's, again, this show does such a great job in terms of being able to set up that consistent pattern of behavior for these characters that when something happens, you know, you, you know the outcome. Like, Buttons is a dog who's protecting Mindy. Right. Mindy is a very young girl. She gets into some potential. She walks into a construction site. It's like site. Baby's, it's like baby's Day Out. Day out. Exactly. God damn it. Yep. yep. And so the entire time, you know, they're, they're just trying to, he's, Buttons as the dog is trying to protect her and make sure that she's going to come out of this unscathed. Yeah. And so it, it, it's kind of fun to see it because also Buttons has like what seems to be like an anxiety problem yes, as well. He really he's does. very scared and very nervous. <laughs> so he's like a Courage the Cowardly Dog yeah. in that sense. Just not so it, with that weird humor, which was kind of what made Courage so Yeah, exactly. This, or I do, like I the, do the like. The hole in the tooth. Yeah, that, ugh. Uh, I do like when Buttons will occasionally quit. He'll just like give the family a sign that just says I quit. He's like, I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't one of my favorites. Rita and Runt wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah. I actually had forgotten about this little guy, but he's so stinking cute. 
uh, and I'm glad that I came across it, but the, the flame, there's this yes. little flame at the top of a candle that has like a little face. It looks like something designed in like a lab by Pixar. It looks like a Fantasia thing. It does because it's super cute and he's got this little childlike voice. And I think he's only used in like the historical stories, the educational stories or like things about like fire safety <laughs> randomly. <laughs> uh, so it's like there's there's the thing with like Thomas Jefferson and right. uh, all the, the signers of the um, Declaration of Independence and all that stuff. And he is kind of narrating the way through this thing. And that's even a design switch, right? So they're animating um, the signers in a way that's like, they're more realistic looking. They're still cartoonish, but they look more realistic. But you've got this little tiny flame who's just narrating it for the kids. And it was such a shift of style and tone, but it was still super cute. And it's a, it's a neat thing to go back and watch now. It's like, it's really well done. And just so yeah. out of place with everything else that's in this show. But it's a nice kind of way to take a breath. I also love the fact that Tom Bodette narrated the uh, Good Idea, Bad Ideas. Oh, really? Yeah. Tom Bodette <laughs> leave will leave the light, the light on for you. Yep. Look that up, kids. That doesn't make me feel bad and old nope. at all. <clears throat> now, I also like the fact that uh, we had a, an off-screen narrator who was Jim Cummings every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Who did sort of like a, he did like a Nighty Night tune because I, I, I watched, I rewatched that. <laughs> you know, the, it was good. It's just sort, a lot of guys it's just, there too. Yeah, it's just because uh, I think that that was on the first episode, It was right? the first the episode whole... is the closer yeah. to that and I, I now want a log flume in my house. <laughs> yeah, right? That's all I want. But I, I, love the, I love the idea that, you know, they, they have those moments where it does, it just straight up sounds like Winnie the Pooh and he's like, 99 tunes, okay, everybody go to bed. Kids at home, if that's yeah. what your Winnie the Pooh sounds like, I apologize. That's super sorry. And it's probably it's... possessed and you should call a demonologist. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much what's going to be in Annabelle Part 3. Get ready. Get ready. You, you wince, but it's Annabelle on spring break. I'm okay with this. Yeah, okay. We're all cool with this. It's like, it's like Beach Party Barbie, but Annabelle. <laughs> and Beach Party Annabelle. Beach Party Annabelle. I would uh, actually watch, uh, <laughs> would watch that watch horror movie. Yeah, that would be hilarious. That would be fun. Uh, I'm assuming it's just spring breakers with just a lot more dolls and murder. Yeah, still okay with it. Probably, yeah. Hey, what did, what did we watch tonight? I know you watched a crap ton of episodes tonight, but what did the both of us watch? So, <laughs> so uh, we watched the first episode, as Dave has mentioned, uh, and then we also watched the 99th episode. Yep. I know you've got thoughts on that one, but uh, yeah, anything from this, anything from the premiere, what did, what did you think were the particular strengths, and what do you think was something that maybe they shored up over the case of the or over the over the course of the next 98 episodes you know i i say the the biggest thing that continues to be a strength for me of this show and a reason that i continue to relate to it that i continually want to watch animaniacs is their wordplay it's a lot of fun and and it is so solid out of the gate that i don't think it's anything that they could ever like shore up or tighten up in any way it's just something that they can consistently bring this back. And, and the reason that I love it, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe for some reason, my brain is a result of watching this as a child growing up. But there are a lot of times where I will hear somebody say something to me, and I will hear the words that they've said, and I will process it. My brain will just go, gotcha. I understood what you said in the context that you're saying mm-hmm. it in. But there's another part of my brain that was like, wouldn't it be funny if they also said this? And I'm like, stop it. 
<laughs> because I will begin to mix messages in terms of what people will say. I will begin to mishear those things. And then I will just randomly laugh sometimes. And people will look at me like I'm absolutely fucking crazy yeah. and say, what, what was so funny about that? And then I'll have to explain, oh, so part of my brain thought that I misheard you. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if I thought that you said this? Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> and they'll look at me like, no, no, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's okay. I, I have those same moments and I've had to learn that that's not how normal humans function. The fact that, like, uh, I had a friend of mine say it something is, though, one time. Dave, it is. I had a friend of mine say something one time, and that it was completely innocuous. Like, do you want a piece of gum or something like that? Like, it was a question. There's no reason to get upset about that, but it triggered something in my memory that I had, like, I remember that I'd forgotten to do something or this thing needed to be done, and oops, I missed this deadline or whatever. It just, like, cascaded. But in that instant, to to respond i just like swore or i just like was super upset and she was just like i'm, I'm sorry but you don't have to take it like it was such like a, <laughs> the disconnect between what they ask and whatever your response is hopefully that happens to a lot of people because it just makes me sound like a crazy person but no i think it's just the, the processing power you're you're trying to spin a, a joke out you're trying to check your your reserves for like familiar phrases or punchlines or things that you could spin it into a joke to be funny. And yeah, I think a lot of it is because of shows like this because they do such a good job. I will yeah. say the only thing in this, this first segment called de-zanitized, right. I think it, went, it felt a little long and a little sometimes repetitive. And I think they've tightened that up over the course of the other episodes. And I think okay. they've, they've gotten a little punchier and they've shortened up their uh, segments that maybe weren't quite as strong, which is why I think later on we have these weird little, the Randy Beeman kid comes in for a minute or chicken right. dude comes in for two minutes just to kind of fill in those gaps rather than stretching out a joke. That is a good idea. It's just better executed in a shorter time frame. So while I think all three of these segments work really well for this first episode, I think desanitized was just, it just felt a little long for me. It also definitely had uh, a moment. And I, I, I'll say that this was always fun was that, <clears throat> You knew you knew sort of what the punchline of desanitized was going to be. Yeah. You know that inevitably Doctor Scratch and Sif was going to turn, and he was going to realize. That well, the, what's the setup he, first before you give that away? Well, the idea is that he is going to therapy right. because he, a psychiatrist, uh, is he, going. He, to therapy, yes, yeah. he is going because of his interactions with Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Right. Uh, it, it's been very stressful for him. He is trying to process and kind of vent to his actual therapist. And so he used to have your, hair back in the day and over the course of this process he just literally tears it out. Right. Yeah. And so again, this episode has been you get that black and white real history theme song desanitized which then becomes a further look back at how Yakko, Wacko and Dot kind of terrorized him yeah. in the early days and that he became bald because he was so he, he was tasked with the local studio lot. Like look, we can't grab these guys so it's your job to like get them, control them, and make them a little less crazy. And like the crazy part about this is that you get uh, Thaddeus Plotz, yeah. who is the CEO, the money-grubbing CEO of Warner Brothers, uh, who, who tells him and says, he's just like, when, when Scratch and Sniff asks, why am I doing this? Yeah. He goes, because you're, th you're the therapist. You're the shrink. And that was as much of a justification as you got. That's all I needed. It's completely wrong. But it, it's it's hilarious to kind of see these these quick interactions that they have with these characters. Yep. And so you see Scratch and Sniff is is trying to process internalize all of these things because the the Warners have gotten out. Yep. And so 
he is very nervous and he's very scared about his continued interactions with these three. You know at the end of this episode that he's going to turn and that the therapists that are, are taking notes. Who's been off camera him, this whole time, yeah. Yeah, who you have not seen except for like a foot or like a the thigh, kind of like Dr. Claw. Notes. Yeah, hey, hey. You know, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. So you see, you see this kind of little extension of this character, but you don't see the, the a full-on shot of them. You know when it turns and pans to the camera that it's going to be Yakko, Wacko, and Doc. Yeah. Like, if, I thought if, they were all going to be like in the same suit because early on it showed like a hand. That would have been funny. Like, it would have been really funny if they were all just stuffed in a suit together. Yeah. yeah. Shit. But, you know, the, the fun thing is is the actual camera angles in which they shot this because in the original setup where you have Dr. Scratch and stuff on the couch, he's on the left-hand side. And yeah. he's in the... Like, he's in sort of the background, you know, and you have the therapist that's interviewing him down in, like, the bottom right-hand corner, uh, like, just kind of pivoted out of the view. But you have a character like Scratch and Sniff who's on the left-hand side who's showing just, like, cinematography-wise that he has control, that he has the power. Despite the fact that, like, he's making the confessions and that he is, like, very nervous about this interaction. Yeah. Yeah. He he actually has the control and the power, and the the therapist that is off screen is sort of in the in in the passive uh, sense is just present. And so, but then at the very end, when they give the big reveal, they switch it and they put the Warner Brothers over on the left hand side. They actually pivot around in the room, and so now you have the Warner Brothers that are on the left hand side, and you have Scratch and Sniff who's on the the right, which now shows that there's been that transfer of power over to the Warner Brothers and that you suddenly have uh you know Scratch and Sniff who's who has been regaled back to this passive sense where he's just gonna take this abuse. Which is crazy to see that in a fucking cartoon yeah. in a first in a pilot episode as like the big punchline re- reveal. I, I would have never gotten this shot composition as a kid. Sure. But now as an adult, you know, I, I see this stuff and I'm just I'm always blown away by it. Yeah, they do a good job of that stuff too. Kind of like making it, making you feel like you're in the room with them, for different camera angles. It's not like you're just shooting it in a in a space with no walls. Like they're always very kind of right. contained when they need to be, so that they can actually break out of that containment. What's crazy is that this thing segues directly into uh, something called the Monkey Song, <laughs> which it's crazy because <laughs> it keeps all the same cast of characters that you just spent the the last eight minutes or so with, and you move right into a song. That's just about, it's Dr. Otto singing about how there's these crazy monkeys that are loose on the lot, but he's talking about the, the Warner Brothers kids. So you're keeping that same relationship between the two groups, but you're just putting it to music, and you're also bringing in a ton of other cameos of characters that you're going to get to know over the course of the next 98 episodes. So like Buttons and Mindy show up, Flavio and Marita show up, the yeah. Good Feathers show up, and they keep beating each other up from time to time. Uh there's some fun stuff like Buttons and Mindy are starting to like float away on a balloon, float up into the sky in one scene. And then a couple seconds later, like the mime shows up and then Slappy Squirrel shows up and she doesn't like the mime. So she shoots the balloon out of the sky and drops Buttons and Mindy on the mime. So it's like just like fun plays with all the different characters that pop in. And then even musically, you get a little taste while they have this kind of like super fun kind of Spanish uh, flamenco themed music going on. You also get Pinky and the Brain kind of walk across in the foreground and you get a little taste of their theme song as well, which hasn't even been revealed yet. So I thought that was super cool, the way that they all worked together and did that. Uh, anything from the monkey song you want to talk about? 
No, I just and we talked about the last. Yeah, you already part. talked about night ninety night tune. Yeah, ninety night tune, and it's kind of funny because you know you have this large cast of characters and the and they've been consistently present in this first episode. Right. I mean, they could have they could have talked about them in the theme song and then been like, yeah, we'll catch up with you guys in later yeah, episodes. Sure. But like they they brought them through in all three segments to really kind of hammer this home. And I've never seen, I don't think we've ever seen in 200 episodes, anything like this. No. That it's a, it's a concerted a effort. Consistent like job. Categories. Yeah. 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 Just, oh, just to job. bring them through multiple times being like, here's your introduction. Here's their character building stuff. And here's the last time you'll see them for this episode, but they'll be back. Right. Yeah. Right. Which was cool. And it also like every time you watch the new episode, it was fresh because you're just like, I don't know who I'm going to see this week. Right. And sometimes that's good. Cause it's like, Oh man, I got to see the the Warner siblings. I got to see Good Feathers, and I got to see a good idea, bad idea, and uh, a song from Wacko. It's like that's a great episode. But if you're like, eh, I got to see Buttons and Mindy, Rita and Run, and I don't really like Katie Kaboom. Mm, I got that yeah. episode. Like it's still good and it's still funny. It's just sometimes yeah. they don't hit it with all your favorites. So they they had to yeah. sort that out over the years. Which at, at least it's continually fresh. Sure. I mean, I remember. I remember probably the most painful experience that I had watching cartoons was with Ren and Stimpy okay. and that period of time early on in Nicktoons where they'd only gotten like, yeah, like five or six episodes and, they just and you then had to, and it was just those same five or six episodes for like a year and a half yeah. before they made new ones. Ah, oh, that was murder. The worst was like Dragon Ball Z because they would add like one new episode into each rotation every week it came out in like Japan or once they got the dub done. But they would like, started. it would be like episode 38 and then it'd be like back to one. And it's just like, fuck, I got to watch 38 episodes again just to get to 39. It's like the, the way that they worked it into the rotation. But Oh, I would do it. I would I do it. it. I did it. I done did it. All right. Let's did talk it. about this finale here because we start yeah, off with the best it. characters. All right. The good feathers. The good feathers. This was super cute because it was just like a nice kind of sweet. You're like, will they finally get along? No, no, no it took him about forty seconds to not get along yeah. anymore. But it was cute. I, I love, I, you know, and I, I, I had probably never seen Goodfellas at that point, well, or maybe of course, I had why just we? because we were like, well, at this point, you're probably 16, I was like 17. thirteen, yeah, yeah. Uh, anywhere between like thirteen to sixteen for for me, I think, you know. But just to, I probably would have just watched Goodfellas, so the whole Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci character dynamic that they had between one another is. It's super fun to kind of see them continually play off of one bit from a from a good movie, right? Uh, um, you know, and, and it's you just see them act that out again. Really good, consistent pattern of behavior exactly. that they have. And so, in this moment, it's fun because you know they're 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 kind of looking at this horizon. You know, it, it's you know it, it's it's a sunrise. Yeah, you know? it's and a nice a nice moment, a beginning of a new day. And they're commenting. I actually would have thought that it would have been sort of like a sunset because the show was ending. Yeah, but I mean, you still, don't want to open still with a, a positive, sunset, I guess. Because yeah, there's a lot I mean, of stuff that went on on the lot during the day. Still a positive note to go out sure. on. So, I mean, you know, they, they have a lot of fun with this. And then this sort of, you know, obviously you're going to have good feathers get into a fight, yeah. you know, about what direction the breeze is coming from. Yeah, yeah Exactly. So from there, you know, this just sort of goes into uh, one of the final bit, like the final two bits that we have for the entire show, which is this sort of uh, orchestral number that they have. So this one's called the scoring session. Exactly. So we have scoring session uh, with a character that I don't think we had seen at any other point 
in this, which is what nose nest. Yeah, he's like a giant rhino in a rhino. suit with a bird, a little blue bird that lives in his nose. Yeah, in a nest in his nose. So that, that's a choice. But he that's comes in as a as a backup uh, conductor for, and they actually call him out by name, composer and conductor Richard Stone, who was actually the composer for the series. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in two thousand one, so obviously will not be back for the new series, but was still around at the time for this episode, which is very music heavy. I'd imagine right. that that orchestra probably had a good time with this particular sequence because it's insane. Uh, I hope, I hope they did because it, it's so much fun to watch. It's crazy. But, you know, I mean, it, it, they set up a good comedy rule of three. You know, with the with Yakko, Wacko, and Dot entering into the actual orchestra pit. Yeah, as uh, as the new conductor is giving out the rules of like, here are the only rules that I ask you to follow. Don't show up late. Sorry, I'm late. Exactly. You're just. You know, make sure that you bring your actual instrument in its tune. I'm sorry, I forgot everything that I had. And don't interrupt me. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, they, they, they hit a great rule of three. They, they, they really do a great job of just fucking around with him. Yeah. But you can tell that despite giving him all this shit that, I mean, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like in that orchestra. I mean, it's, just, it's beautifully composed. They put so much stuff together. Even the moments where they're just like, make sure that everything that you have is arpeggiated against, you know, the actual tempo that we're doing. He goes, what? What does that mean? Like, just play it like a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Got it. And it's crazy <laughs> because this whole sequence goes back and forth between like Yakko trying to take control of conducting the orchestra and uh, the Rhino guy trying to like keep everything very regimental and by the book and play the notes that are on the page. And then music starts coming in from all different places and people are getting confused about what notes are where and. There's a cue that says you're supposed to play this wrong, and Dot's like, "Yeah, well, you pick the right person." It's just it's complete chaos that goes on. But at the same time, you have to keep in the back of your your brain, understand that these are real musicians who are having to play this whole sequence. So whoever I'm assuming it was Stone, whoever put all this music together for this <laughs> had to build that chaos into the actual um, pages of music. So all of that had to mesh and sound chaotic but also be controlled chaos at the same time. So it yeah, just seems amazing. like a love letter to the orchestra for their, their five seasons or whatever of, uh, of work at this point. Because it really is like a showcase of them just getting to go crazy. And so from there, any final questions or ideas or thoughts about this piece? Because I, I have a problem with what happens next. Okay, so you're fine with scoring session? I, I liked scoring, scoring session. Scoring session was fun because it it's great. essentially like so in production, whether it's live action or animation or movies or whatever, you do have to add, obviously, the music after the fact. So once everything's right. there and everything's laid out before you, you get to add the music beats and you have a conductor who will make changes if they need to and, and speed up tempos or make cuts or whatever on the fly. So the fact that this was kind of a fourth wall breaking, like, well, it's all the characters of the Animaniacs showing up to make their own music for their own show. It was just, it was a really well done segment. A little different from what we're used to seeing, but a nice touch nonetheless. That's all I'll say for that. Yeah. Talk about the Animaniacs Suite, which is going to close everything up. It's just a, it's just a clips show. You can say just a clip show, but... I, I think the challenging thing is, is that I feel like, and, and hear me out on yeah. this, I feel like for a show that has had such a i mean we we saw it in in the previous bit yeah. has had such a, a strong 
sense and element of just chaos and music and and tie-ins and 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 how this show really is able to take advantage of all these these different elements and create something that's beautiful, masterful, and just fucking bananas. I wish that they would have just ended at the at the score. Oh, you wanted it to end at the scoring session. I w- if they had ended at the scoring session, I think that it would have been great. But then we get sort of this thing, which is just like a look back, which, you know, I mean, we've all know, you know, for, for cartoons, like a clip show, you know, where they're just like, oh, let's gather around and talk about all these things that we've done. And, you know, somebody inevitably opens up a book of memories and then, they, you know, they kind of jump into some of those older bits or, you know, f- fuck, watching any anime series where they get about halfway through like a 24 or 26 episode season and like episode either 13, 14, or 15 is just like all the action slows down and they're just like, ooh, we should probably recap on all the crap that you've just watched instead of moving the action further. I felt like this was sort of kind of deflating for me. It wasn't bad. I just, I was, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed that they didn't have something that was a continuation or, or another song or something that was almost sort of like the the goodnight tune from the first episode sure. that we saw, where it just sort of like said goodnight and goodbye to all these characters, you know? Uh, because I, I feel like they could have had something that was... Uh, this show has a ton of heart, and I feel that they could have done something that was heartfelt to kind of close the series out and say goodbye. See, so, you know, I, I look at it from the other angle. So Stone, in the addition of... of putting this together for the scoring session, also arranged all the music specifically for this last segment as well. So everything that you hear, there's the theme song and there's uh, you know different classical music. There's each of the characters' themes, whether it's Yakko, Wacko, and Dot's theme, Pinky and the Brain, Mindy, Rita, as these characters show up on screen. So it's kind of like we are getting to say goodbye to the characters by watching some of our favorite moments with them. And who knows, it could have been an in-house production thing where they were just like, Cast and crew, what are your favorite moments? Animators, yeah. what are your favorite moments? So the fact that this, it's interesting to show and, and see that this whole final episode is like a musical tribute. It's like, right. it's almost like we've thanked the cast, we've thanked the writers, we've thanked the animators. Here's for the musicians. And I don't know the fact that Stone passed away only a couple of years after this. I don't know if there was something going on, so they wanted to do something in memory, or they wanted to do something to make sure he was honored, or I have no idea what. Maybe he was retiring. The fact that this whole last episode is very music and montage heavy in that last sequence, it it was kind of fitting for me. I thought it was fine. I, I think I even watched this last episode and was kind of like emotional because I remembered watching these clips pop up from over the five seasons. And I will say at the end, uh, at the end of the credits of this particular episode, it says a special thank you to all those who have contributed to the success of Animaniacs. Just wait until episode 100. Just wait and wait and wait. So it just seemed like one of those things. And then, and then Yakko, Wacko and Dot say goodbye nurse at the end of the whole thing. Yeah. To me, it seemed like you didn't need to have like a whole convoluted extra goodbye thing. To, to me, this was like a perfect kind of send-off. They didn't need to say anything else. They kind of said it all before. And I'm, I'm fine with like a clip show ending to this kind of thing. Because honestly, I think, okay. I don't know, another unique original story. It might have been sweet to do something like Nighty Night Tune again. But I think this kind of covered all bases. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see your point. I just, I think that 
for watching, I think watching maybe a bunch of these episodes today and kind of getting excited about them and, and really kind of reliving in these moments. I don't know. I kind of, I, I thought, fuck, I wanted something, you know, kind of explosive and chaotic <laughs> along the lines of the nature of this show itself. Like I, I, I could have seen them blowing up the water tower or the studio <laughs> yeah, or just sure. about everything that was there, you know, in just like defiance. Uh, but the fact that they didn't, I mean, is interesting. And it's, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I just think that the challenge was that because I didn't get a chance to watch, you know, an additional 90 episodes. It's definitely different uh, coming to see into all those moments. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's hard to, it's hard to get hit with that. Yeah. So what's, what's weird fine. though, any final thoughts on the classic Animaniacs? Then how about this? What are you, let's play good idea, bad idea, since I haven't actually done that yet. Uh, shit, let's do it. And it's going to be a little different. I'm just going to say what they're doing, and I'm going to ask you if it's a good idea or a bad idea. So there's uh, no okay, skullhead involved. They're remaking this, right? They're, they're, make, they're good continuing idea. it. You think it's a good, good idea? Good idea. Good idea. You don't think it's better off left as it is? You know what? I think I, I, love, I love this growing up. Yeah. And if this is something that, you know, down the line that I can, I can revisit that's been updated for all the crap that we have that's in pop culture. Because I think one of the, the successes of this is that they were able to pull in a lot of older references right. and, and actual characters. Like we had episodes with like Jerry Lewis. Oh my God, even that know, first the, the episode Bill, had like, you yeah, know, the Hollywood Bill wall of fame with like yeah. Jack Nicholson and they had Ronald Reagan mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So we have all these people that they're pulling in. And so to, to kind of have those spoofs and to lampoon current pop culture, I, I, I welcome that. So good idea for me. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. It's one of those things I where I need to wait and see. What's the animation going to be like? Is it going to be like sure. DuckTales where it's modernized, but not like obviously CG where it's still like it's fun, but they keep the spirit of the original? Oh my God. I actually, I read about it today. They're going to do something similar to what they did for the reboot of the cartoon reboot really, where it's live action up in Canada. Sorry, this is an I'm early, it's an early April Fool's <laughs> joke or a late one for you guys listening to this. <laughs> in the middle of April. You burnt. You burnt. <laughs> yeah. I would love an all CG Animaniacs that's just like a oh, joke God. episode like god this is so expensive and ugly uh, awful okay good idea bad idea keep the traditional hand drawn animation style or modernize it with uh, computer effects I mean I think it's a good idea to keep the same hand drawn animation I don't, I don't know that I'd want to update the, the look style and feel of this do you, do you like the current kind of DuckTales Disney XD look Oh fuck! I mean, I do. Yeah, I just because you can. I, I you know, feel they that... could they could flash animate these guys. It's it's. Yeah. I'm I'm torn between something like Ducktales on Disney XD and the Mickey Shorts on on Disney Channel. They're okay. The Mickey Shorts. They're just the characters look kind of weird to me. The redesigns look a little strange, and they don't. They I, I move think... in a really weird way that creeps me out. <laughs> so if they do something like that, I'm not gonna be pleased. I think that because these characters were created specifically for this show and are in some cases like a homage to, you know, as we mentioned, like these older Disney characters or like Oswald the Rabbit sure. or stuff like that. You know, I, I think I think if they updated them a little bit, I'd be fine with it. I would definitely want them to still look relatively the same. Um you know, I, I I could do a little sprucing and a little updating, sort of like how little nip, little tuck. Disney XD, little nip and a little tuck. Uh, I could do I could do a little bit of an update in terms of what we saw for Ducktales okay. on Disney XD, 
but I think that that's as far as I would want it to go. I'd want it to preserve at least the same style and humor that those characters had, that same personality. Okay, good idea, bad idea. Keeping the same cast or keeping maybe the favorites and, and bringing some new ones in? I think for the success of this show and the relevancy, I think because it was mid-90s, early to mid-90s, uh, and it was a lot of lampooning of topics and ideas that were during that time, I think I would like to see them do sort of a, a hybrid. I'd like them to see them bring back and retain a lot of the original voice cast, but because we had some of these supporting characters that were lesser known, like Katie Kaboom and Colin, I'd love to see them kind of branch out and possibly create some new additional right. supporting characters. I think that's it for my good idea, bad idea. And I definitely want to give our listeners out there time to get their thoughts in as well. We do this. We've done this for so many episodes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, it turns out you guys, yeah, you, yeah, you listening. You guys have ideas and thoughts and opinions about these shows that we watch. Animaniacs, no different. So what we've actually asked you to do is we've been able to turn this over to you. Yes, you, the listener, to be able to get your input, your thoughts, your ideas, and moments that you loved about this show. And so this week, Bobby Anthem's taking a break because we're turning it over to you, the listeners, for this week's Just Love It. No hate. Just love it. So welcome, friends and listeners of the show, for your love it for Animaniacs. Hey, Sean and Dave, uh, just responding to your Animaniacs question. This is Scott from the 80s, uh, 80s All Reversal on Twitter and with the Bonsai Retro Club podcast. So I just wanted to throw my two cents in for Animaniacs. Uh, one thing I love about them is the adult humor that they throw in there. Um, one of the episodes was called Polkadotus, and Dot played Pocahontas. And they introduced John Smith. She, he introduced himself to her, and she said to him, I bet you tell all the hotel clerks that. I thought that was just too funny. Uh, another thing that I love about Animaniacs was the uh, Pinky and the Brain spinoff. That's one of the best cartoons out there that I can remember in, uh, in my life. just cracks me up every time I watch it. All right, you guys have a great day and keep up the good work on the podcast. Congratulations on 200. What's going on? My name is Colin Snyder. I'm from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I want to say that I love Animaniacs because I love 90s witty cartoons. They are, to me, the only cartoons that matter. We need to bring that type of humor back. And to me, that's, uh, I could go on, but uh, all I can say is I love that, that's my kind of humor. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Bye. What's up, Sean and Dave? This is Charlie Miskinash, previous guest, <clears throat> uh, most notably in the Outlaw Star episode. I feel like you guys really fucked me on the Transformers episode. <laughs> Call-out culture. That's what I'm doing. Anyway, talking about Animaniacs, uh, one of my favorite shows growing up, um, had a fun memory of <laughs> one of the funniest things to me on Animaniacs was um when they <laughs> I forget the episode but they met somebody and they were like, Can we call you Dadu? And uh tried that at home with my own father, who I love very much and recently donated a kidney to, and he was not <laughs> into that at all. Found it extremely disrespectful. 
uh, brought it up a couple times over the years. And initially he doesn't remember and then gets a little bit mad. So that's kind of fun. Um, my other favorite thing is probably pinky in the brain, uh, but that's much more of a secondary memory. And you probably edit this down to be like to this end part. Anyway, love you guys. Hope to be on soon. But still, calling you out for that terrible Transformers, whatever, beast animatronics thing that I had to do before my love of Outlaw Star. Love you. Dave and Sean, bye. Hey, Sean and Dave, this is EJ from the Flyover Zone, Nebraska. Just here to send some love towards Animaniacs, the most beautifully crafted cartoon variety show in existence. A little educational snack in on us, too. Hey, thanks for all you do, guys. Happy 200 episode. Bye. Hey, guys, this is Cody Avery from Menden, Louisiana. And I have to say my favorite part of the Animaniacs was actually the secondary characters, like Pinky and the Brain, the Good Feathers, uh, Buttons and Mindy, Chicken Boo, etc. Anyway, uh, just wanted to leave a message. Congrats on 200 episodes, and here's to many more. Hey guys, Jack Conley here from St. Louis, Missouri. Big fan of the podcast, and I love Animaniacs simply because Wacko is one of the greatest creep, one of the greatest whatever you call them out there. I grew up watching this show when I was little, and especially being a Steven Spielberg joint, I loved everything about the references. Keep up the great stuff, just like great old Amy. And, yeah, enjoy. Hey, it's 80s Music Girl from Lakewood, Washington. And why I like Animaniacs? Dude, they've got baloney in their slacks. Nothing else needs to be said. Have a great day. We were also really fortunate enough to have some of you guys and gals tweet and email us with why you loved Animaniacs so much. The first one we have here is from Classic George. Good buddy out there on Twitter. Always, always anxious to chat with us. George says, my favorite part of that whole show, talking about Animaniacs, was the good idea, bad idea segments. George, buddy, me and you were on the same page. Those were some of my absolute <laughs> favorites of all time. Great stuff. <laughs> and another tweet comes from our buddy, Chappie422. Uh, he's talking about the entire Apocalypse Now episode of Animaniacs. And he says... The Doors reference is what got him, amongst others that flew over his head as a child. The entire series of, is full of jokes that he never grasped as a child, yet it was totally enjoyable then, and it's now an experience of discovery as I've rewatched it in my adult years. And that's something we talked about on the show, too. So, Good job there, Chappie. We're right there with you. We also received uh, an email from at AliceHart1553 on Twitter. She says that she loved Animaniacs when she was younger. It was goofy and silly. I, she adored Dot and remembered getting the McDonald's toys. Oh, God, those Happy Meal toys. We don't talk about that enough. We don't. I remember being at the old Warner Brothers studio store in Cleveland, Ohio, and they had Animaniac stuff there. She loved Slappy the Squirrel, Good Idea, Bad Idea, Buttons and the Little Girl, and the Good Feathers. She was also a big fan of Tiny Toons. Well, you got to save that one for another episode. Yeah, we are definitely going to save that for a future episode, so thank you. And thank you guys so much for contributing and adding all of your thoughts about Animaniacs. Obviously, as we've stated, there's no way with the 99 episodes in a movie that we're going to get to every single one of the moments that you love, but we're glad to give you an opportunity to be able to talk about the things that made this such a memorable cartoon for you. Growing up or... Even now. What's so weird, though, is how many of you wrote in saying you wanted to dip this show. Like, I did not expect that at all. It's fucked up, gang. Just, like, 
It's a real fucked up game. Overwhelming amount of dipping. It's insane. You guys are crazy. Uh, obviously, I'm going to recommend this show. Our listeners out there recommend this show. And I'm going to say, Sean? Ooh, yeah, absolutely recommend yeah, this Yeah, 100%. Show. One of the best ever. And, and I'm happy we got to talk about it on our 200th episode as a little mini break in the middle of anime April. <laughs> Ooh, good idea, bad idea. An anime Niax. Uh, a bad idea. That's a very bad idea. But I it's hope they I hope idea. they take some fun chances with the new version. Maybe play with a couple different animation styles. Maybe play with a couple different like genre attempts. They could really yeah. skewer the whole superhero uh, shtick right now if they wanted to. They got plenty oh, of stuff to work with. Jeez. So we'll see. We'll see what they come up with. See what the creative team has in store. We've got a yeah. couple of years yet, so hang in there, guys. Get caught up on all the old episodes. And speaking of getting caught up on old episodes, you've now got 200 of ours to go through as well. So be oh, like boy. be like our buddy William and go back through that back catalog <laughs> from the beginning because he's the best and you should be the best as well. Shout out to our other listener, Lily, who has been going through and she has been jumping into a lot of episodes that we have. So always glad to have... Uh, new listeners interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. You guys are the best. And thank you, Sean, for joining me for these 200 episodes. Aww. Aww. I sent you a candy gram, and I don't know if I did got re- there yet. No, I did not. Um, oh, okay. what, what I'm looking forward to as milestones is episode <laughs> 365. Because in 365, then you can listen to one episode every day, unless it's a leap year, and then we're screwed. <laughs> And have a new episode every day. So I'm looking forward to 365. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for episode, I think, just 300. Okay. Because uh, I want so there to be get, a like, cartoon. Shirtless and... I, want there to be, I want there to be a cartoon version of the live action 300. By the time we get to the next 100 episodes, you hope there will be one? Fingers crossed, gang. I mean, Zack Snyder's <laughs> not doing for. much else these days. I mean... I'm still hoping for it. I think what I would really like is Addy Shankar to do it because I think it'd be just fucking brutal. It probably would be pretty brutal. I'll talk to him and see if he wants to do that. If he wants to buy the rights from Snyder and Frank Miller. (laughs) I mean, if they could just do something like that, I think it'd be really wildly entertaining. That and I'm waiting for episode 420. I don't don't know. I don't. God, are we even going to be around by then? Are there even going to be cartoons? Everybody's going to be in the Oasis. Yeah, right. It's not even going to matter. No, I actually... I'm excited about episode 420 mm-hmm. um, because I want, again, I want it to just be a strictly dedicated to cartoon drugs episode. Oh, man. We've got a ways to go before we get there. I feel like, I feel like in addition to everything that we've done mm-hmm. on the show, uh, as much time and energy as you and I have put into creating that checklist for like what makes a perfect theme song, mm. I think additionally what is going to be the next step in the future is what makes a perfect cartoon drug episode. That's my, that's what I want my doctoral thesis for all of this to, to ultimately be. Well, you've got 200 episodes to work on that, I guess. So uh, take notes. Got to get ready. Ah, Can't wait. In the meantime, buddy, other than working on your doctoral thesis from San Francisco city college, <laughs> what else are you working on out there? <laughs> Uh, guys, as always, I do live improv comedy with a group that is called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform in Washington, D.C. As a part of Washington Improv Theater, you can find tickets and times with dc.org. And I'm always on Instagram mm. and Twitter Aww. at Sean Paul Ellis. Thank you so much. A, a 200th special special 
Sean using the whole word for once. You did it. You can find me on the on the torts at Dr. Claw. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck. Uh, you can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. If you want to find out more about this little show right here, we'd love it if you head to our one-stop shop, Patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can find out all sorts of information there and, sh- and see how you can actually help the show itself. Seashells by the seashore. I thought you almost said shit. And you can shit yourself by heading to <laughs> Patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. We really would appreciate it. You can also keep up with us, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. That's our handy little website. Follow along on Twitter at MorningTunes. Take a look at Sean's handiwork on the grams. Keep that conversation going on Facebook. And listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, you can reach out to us, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You've heard this 200 times now, but thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Aw, thank you, Dave, for, for doing this. I said I'll see you next time. Yeah, I said I'll see next you fucking next time. time. Next Hey everybody, thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.